Welcome to episode number 50 of the Four Animals for Earth podcast, Ayurvedic Eating, part one with Dr. Vatsala Sperling. Earth is not something you possess, you own, you claim, you fight wars over, or you uh, subjugate her. That's not Earth. Earth is a mother, and you approach Earth with respect. That was the first lesson. Wow, how powerful was that statement? That was Vatsala. She's joining me from Guanacaste, Costa Rica today. She is a clinical microbiologist as well as a homeopathic doctor. She practices in Vermont, but she is actually in Costa Rica right now with her husband doing a reforestation and education project that you can hear more about in episode 43 when I interviewed her husband, Ehud Sperling. So Vatsala wrote an incredible book called The Ayurvedic Reset Diet. And I have to tell you guys this fun story because that book showed up on my doorstep while I was away for the holidays last year. And I came home and I found this book and I thought, hmm, you know, how did this get here? I was not expecting it. But I was very curious because, you know, eating vegetarian for, you know, gosh, 20 plus years now, I spend a lot of time, um, I shouldn't say I spend a lot of time, but I enjoy looking for new recipes and Pinterest is my favorite place to find new recipes. And a lot of the recipes that I come across are Ayurvedic or they'll mention Ayurveda as a part of the lifestyle that, you know, goes along with the recipes. And I've always wondered more about Ayurveda, you know, I'm like, what does it mean? What is it? It seems like it probably aligns quite well with my um, philosophy and my lifestyle, but I never really knew what it was. So this book showed up on my doorstep and I was like, huh, I am very interested in this. And so I read it and then I reached out to the publisher and a bunch of different things fell into place. And here is Vatsala today on the podcast. And I was just... um, I, I don't know. I'm just so excited to have the chance to talk to her and to learn more because she has a fascinating story, a fascinating history, and she really believes that vitality comes through not only what we eat, but how we eat. And she's going to talk more about that today. So the simple idea for today's episode is to thank Mother Earth when we take food. So if you, you know, cut a vegetable off to eat it, or you pull a fruit from a tree to eat it, say thank you. It's a tiny, tiny little thing, right? And it takes literally... A second. You know, you could say three seconds if you do just like a, a little bit longer. Thank you. And it is something that will obviously change our life because it cultivates a different way of living in constantly 
thanking Mother Earth for what she is giving us. So um, that is the simple idea for today. As always, if you are enjoying the show, please hit subscribe or follow wherever you're listening. And for today's show notes, you can go to fouranimalsforearth.com slash podcast slash 50. And there you will find our interview on video and audio, as well as links to everything that we talk about. Hi there, this is Brandy, and you're listening to the Four Animals for Earth podcast. This is a space where we inspire each other to take small steps every day to live a more conscious life, helping animals and the planet while we do it. I'm so glad that you're here. Let's all take a deep breath and let's get started. What really drew me in from the first second of reading your book was in the first chapter, you really paint a picture of your childhood. And it's such an idyllic picture of sitting in a kitchen with plants growing all around and you would thank the plant before cutting it to eat. And I don't know, you just grew up with such a strong spiritual connection to food. So I thought maybe we can start today by talking a bit about that. Can you tell us about where you grew up and just how you grew up with such a strong spiritual connection to seeing food as a really deep nourishment of the human body? So, For this uh, extraordinary introduction to food, I I am truly indebted to my parents. Uh, They are both uh, not with me anymore. They have gone, you know, they have died, Uh, but they had the grounding in Ayurveda by the way of just living it. Uh, My mother was a college graduate way back uh, in the, uh, whenever she was a young lady and she was a daughter of a college professor. So she just took to education, very brilliant, creative woman, very, very smart and 100 years ahead of her time. Mm -hmm. And my father was a regular guy, but they lived Ayurveda in every breath. Mm -hmm. So, and those were the days when I was little, in the early 60s, <clears throat> there was no electronic media. And in our neighborhood, there was one radio uh, further down the road in a neighbor's house. We didn't have radio and television and cell phone and iPad and uh, Apple Mac and Windows. We didn't have all of that. We had running water and electricity and a beautiful climate to grow things. So. Parents grew all our vegetables and fruits. In India, in Jamshedpur, where I grew up, very nice, uh, warm climate, rich soil, Mm -hmm. uh, good temperature year round. So we always had fresh fruits. We always had fresh vegetables. So the staples like rice and oil and tea and sugar, we didn't do our own. We purchased but fruits and vegetables from the garden, which we planted. So the trick was, mom would ask, uh, well, I'm cooking something and I need a tomato. One of us will just run right to the garden, find the tomato, which was best for picking. We'll bring that. Mom, is that good? Yep, 
that's the tomato mm-hmm. so it was that fresh it was like you talk about farm to table that was plant to your mouth there was not even the table you know and it wasn't a farm it was a kitchen garden in the backyard uh-huh. so you pick from the plant you bring it home and you cook it and year round we had all the vegetables and fruits growing up okay so what i experienced was abundance abundance and a lot of mangoes and guavas and bananas and grapes and lemons and all kinds of tropical vegetables it's all growing so our parents said okay here is food is growing it's the earth which is providing for you that was the first thing i remember it's not you just snatch from the plant and you eat it and you just uh, discard the seed and you're done no 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 earth is providing for you so earth is your mother earth is not something you possess you own you claim you fight wars over or you uh, subjugate her that's not earth earth is a mother and you approach earth with respect that was the first lesson then harvesting so how much do you want to take from the plant do you want to just empty it out and fill up your fridge or do you want to just take what you need not what you want take what you need so that anybody other any other person is needy there will be something left for them if mom needed one tomato i'll bring her one tomato the plant still has five more and if my neighbor run out of tomatoes they can come and take a tomato but if i empty out the plant then if the neighbor needed it he wouldn't get it so sharing so earth is your mother you take what you need not what you want and then share you give to your friends you give to your neighbors you the needy people you distribute the generosity the generous gift that mother earth gives you it's not just for you it's for the birds and the bees and the animals and the cows and the dogs and the neighbors butterflies everybody has a right to live uh-huh. so food must be shared so these are the basic lessons uh, which i saw in practice she didn't read it out of a book mom didn't read it out of a book she would just tell me okay now the food is in ayurveda begins with ritual for the fire the cooking style so there is the prayer to the fire uh, the fire god in hindu mythology to uh, sustain this kitchen the warmth in the kitchen and help us cook food then food itself is a blessing from goddess annapurna who who is in our understanding the wife of lord shiva mm-hmm. so we pray to her for the bounty and we thank her for the bounty now food is ready you just don't start munching it down you take it all to the prayer room we had a prayer room and we lay out all the food offer it to the gods first in a prayer mm-hmm. so it's offered to the deities to the higher energies 
to the loftier ideals first and then mom will distribute food to all us all of us we were six children so sharing began at home sharing began at the garden a gratitude and thank you for the food was not once a year i'm grateful to food no no every meal you're grateful to your food uh-huh. so these were very basic lessons brandy but not out of any textbook out of a lived life and that's what parents taught us uh-huh. and then ayurveda also has rules about hygiene about how to wash your hand how to wash the vegetables how to cook food how to combine various ingredients so i saw her do all of that that's where my education began in ayurveda and the all the inspiration and learning about simple little things of daily life that's where it began no that's so amazing i think because it feels like such a deep departure from the way at least mm-hmm. a lot of people mm-hmm. us in the US um consume food now i think uh i i know there's quite a few people who are working to get back to that deeper relationship and yes. quite a few people will say a prayer before eating but a lot of times it's just like how do we get through that quickly <laughs> because we're hungry and you know there's just become such a departure from knowing where food even comes from and what you're describing you know you said a couple of times it's so simple and it really is so simple yet it's not a part of a lot of our cultures and our daily way of living um so i love just the idea of working to bring that back working to <laughs> say i want to spend a minute thinking about what i take off the plan i want to spend a minute thinking about how i clean it how i cook it i want to spend a couple of minutes offering thanks before <laughs> i consume i think um like you said that's just a simple idea we can all take and we can all try to yes. begin cultivating in our yes. lives uh-huh. and in that regard changes are happening organic food movement is one uh, farm to table movement is another local food movement is another and just the other day i was at a homeopathy webinar and a participant's daughter collects farm access you know the carrot which is a little bit off shape the cauliflower which is a little bit too small or a bit too big she collects those and redistributes them to uh, needy people mm-hmm. so people's awareness is happening too so there is also always the checks and balance we have gone too far in one direction in mechanization of our relationship with food but at the same time an alternative movement is also happening uh-huh. so at the same time while i'm observing what has gone wrong with the system i'm also hopeful that particularly younger generation they are very aware they they know what they want to put in their mouth and they are very of brand names and so on so they are they're getting very clever the youngsters uh-huh. so i feel hopeful totally hopeful. Yes, good. I I love I love um 
just hearing that kind of uplifting, you know, view from what you're seeing. And I agree, you know, I was thinking as you were talking about some of the community gardens that have popped up around here in LA and people in neighborhoods are coming together and growing their food together so that it can then be used as a shared resource like it was when you were a kid. And and why not? Because I do think it's very common if you have a garden to have excess, you know, I think that's just, it it happens, right? (laughs) I mean, I remember growing up with, in our neighborhood, my my parents had a garden and then I remember our neighbors had a garden and they had apple trees. And so we would exchange what we had excess of and it was just a given thing. And then you'd bring the extra to church or (laughs) wherever and just hand it out. And um, absolutely. There's so much food to go around in that sort of um, growing our own gardens, right? So, yep. yeah. I see that uh, even now in Costa Rica, where we have been uh, living for the past one year, a lemon tree. All of a sudden, my gardener does a lemon harvest and he'll come with like two huge bags full of lemons. Uh, you possibly cannot eat them all. <laughs> so naturally, I'm making little packets to send to his grandmothers, to send to his mother, all of our acquaintances nearby, they get a little packet of lemons and bananas and mangoes or whatever is growing. You cannot possibly eat it all by yourself. The abundance of nature is amazing. Mm -hmm. So when you start in your family and say, you know, children, I want you to know that the tree is there to give to you, but it's not only for you. You spread it around. You give to people. They may not be needy, but they'll enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And if they're needy, they'll be very happy to receive some fresh food. So we have to start with the younger generation in our homes, in our kitchen table, and tell them, you know what? There is world beyond you as well. Uh There are people around you you reach out, you share with them. And that is one foundational principle I learned in that household, which was totally Ayurvedic. The household was Ayurvedic. So that's where the concept I got firsthand. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it really is um, such an amazing thing to teach children because I'm thinking of just this innate belief that there's enough to go around and how that would change even your cellular makeup as you grow just believing there's enough to go around there's abundance then you start to see resources as things we symbiotically live with and we share rather than we own and we you know hoard <laughs> yeah yes yeah yes totally makes sense right it's it really it's does. there for sharing for giving to people it's not just for me yeah it makes complete sense. It really does. And um, yeah, and it's such a simple idea. I'm excited for everyone um, who's listening and for myself to just be a little more conscious of it with my kids. Yes. So tell me a little bit more about where the inspiration for the book came from. So how did you get to a point where you, you know, you grew up with this childhood influence. Um, I know that you've studied microbiology through it. You've studied homeopathy. Where did the inspiration for the book ultimately come from? Okay. Again, that's grounded in the childhood experience. 
So, uh, the book itself, Ayurveda, the Ayurvedic Reset Diet, it's an encapsulation of everything that I have learned so far. It's like an extraction, a summary of life experience, of education, of research, everything put together. That's the book. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, okay. India. Another name for India is the land of festivals. I made up that name. It's not, <laughs> it's not seriously the name. I made up the name because every week we have some or the other festival going on. Every month there is a major festival and the minor ones are countless. Uh-huh. Every week there is something happening for which there is going to be special menu. So I'll give you one example. One festival from India, which the whole world knows, is called Dipavali, Diwali. It's the festival of lights and comes at the end of the fall season. Uh, all, all over the country, people are lighting lamps and making special festive foods. And six of us, six children in the house, we will kind of really eat you know, healthy, rambunctious youngsters. We ate a lot of festive food. Next day, the tummy is talking, you know. (laughs) So what does mommy do? She doesn't drag us to a hospital or go see a doctor and get this and get that. Nothing. We never went to a doctor. Mom treated us at home. Whatever happened, she took care of it. Either she'll use homeopathy or she'll use Ayurveda. And we were okay. We just got better, healthy. Mm -hmm. Okay, so she's like, uh, uh, come on, now this is what happened. You ate too much, didn't you? All right. So what do we do? So she'll put us on a simplified uh, diet. First, she'll make us fast on water only. And the next day, she'll put us on a simplified one type of food. One, one kind of food, khichri, for example. Ayurveda has kichri preparation recipes. So she'll put us on that. One day on that, or she will offer us just fruits for a day. Nothing else. Uh One day of water, the next day of mono diet, third day, we were fine. Gastric upset gone, nausea gone, vomiting gone, loose stool gone, constipation gone, blah, blah, blah. Feeling healthy, it's like wow, two days that's it, uh-huh. and no antibiotics needed, no lab test, nothing. So, I saw her do that. So, her technique was you're not feeling well, fast after the fasting, go for a mono diet. After that, combine food in a sensible way. She showed us how to do that in while she was raising us. So, I learned that. And years go by, you know, I run around becoming a clinical microbiologist and so on. And I had a very good career doing that. Very happy to have had that uh, super scientific, uh, technologically advanced, uh, hardcore uh, science and research education. Uh Very grateful for that. And I've worked in a hospital, in children's hospital. So very nice. I was very, very happy to do that. Uh Then 
I found my husband and got married and came to the U.S. So first six, seven years, I was just stay-at-home mom raising my kid. Then he began the first grade. He's gone from seven o'clock to three o'clock. And I'm saying, hmm, what am I doing now? So I said, okay, I have to go back to school. So I did four and a half years of education in clinical homeopathy. Okay. And then I did the national certification exams and so on, board certified, so to speak. And I started a small practice in a small rural town in United States. Okay. I'm the only homeopath and also I'm the only Indian in that town. <laughs> yeah. So I started my practice very early on what they call the green horn. You know, you just come out of school and you're just starting your first client. It's kind of, you know, butterflies in the stomach. And you always wonder, geez, did, uh, sorry, uh, did I study well enough? And uh, am I qualified to do this work? And oh, all those questions, okay? Here comes the very first client, first or second. Um, she wants help with the homeopathy. So what is her complaint? She's tired all the time, like fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, very upset and sad and not feeling well, not healthy, aches and pains and flexibility issues, a lot of bodily problems, plus she's not feeling well, sad in her mind. All that is going on. So I'm asking her the homeopathic questions. You know, It's a very elaborate system of uh, talking to the person and finding out about their complaints. It's a, a called case-taking in homeopathy. It goes in a very humane level to understand the individual at a holistic level as well as their symptoms. So I'm doing all of that. Uh, then a part of that conversation is about diet. What do you eat? What do you like to eat? What you don't like to eat? So I asked her, so what is your uh, regular diet? So her breakfast was four eggs, two slices of uh, bread with jam, bacons, and a few cups of coffee. Then after a while, she wanted to snack. And that would be potato chips or onion drinks or cookies, corn chips, whatever she can get, soft drinks. She wasn't too specific, she, whatever she can get. Lunch was chicken breast or turkey or tuna sandwich, salmon, something, mm -hmm. and coffee again. And then cake or cookies with a cup of coffee or milkshake for after lunch snack, dessert. And then dinner has to be steak or ham or a lamb pork you know some heavy duty meat mm -hmm. and then she has to have potatoes with it creamed potatoes okay. she has to have it and then she has to have a dessert again at night a chocolate or ice cream one of those i heard that and the bells are ringing in my brain i'm saying mm, where are the vegetables where is the fruit where is water? Mm -hmm. She never mentioned she drinks water. Mm -hmm. There was no mention of salad or a mango or an apple, nothing. It's a meat, potatoes, grains, coffee, dessert, ice cream, chocolate. That's mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. 
So I faced a question, Brandy. The question in my mind as a new practitioner was that, shall I tell her the truth? Mm. That was the question. Mm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And this is what went on in my mind. If I tell her the truth, I might lose my client. Mm-hmm. She came to me for homeopathy and I'm going to tell her about diet. Why would she come back? I lost my patient, mm-hmm. right? Like my client. Mm-hmm. If I do not tell her the truth, then the remedies do something or don't do something, but there is a maintaining cause for her problem. Mm-hmm. Right. So in homeopathy, the idea is when there is a maintaining cause, you deal with it, you remove it and then choose the remedy so the remedies can work very well. Mm -hmm. So I said, you know what? No matter if she comes back or not, I do not care. What I do care is she has to hear the truth. So I told her, you know, I can give you some remedy, but I don't know what it will do because your problem is directly connected with your food. She said, what? Because this has been her eating pattern for a long time. She was clinically obese as well. So she said, what do you mean? I'm, I'm eating regular. I have a lot of food. I'm eating food. I said, well, you know, this is the thing. I sat her down and I explained to her. I said, you know, if you want to work with me, you can always come back. And I'll walk you through a process of cleaning up your diet. We have to start with that. Mm-hmm. So if you're up for that, do come back. I will be happy to work with you. But if you would rather not go in that area, then I can tell you the remedies alone aren't going to do anything. You'll be just wasting your money. Mm-hmm. So she went. She didn't take the remedy. She went. I said, "Ah, there you go. I lost my client. Mm-hmm. A week later, she comes back. She says, okay, I thought about what you said. And she was like a, in her late 20s at that time. It's a, too young to be too sick. Yeah, huh? yeah. So she came back and she said, okay, so what are you going to suggest? What, what do you want to tell me? Let, me? let me hear it. I want to see if I can do something. So then began my journey with her. Mm-hmm. And I walked her through the Ayurvedic Reset Diet Principles, a, educated her basically what food is good for you, when you should eat, when you should not eat, what are the, you know, la, 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 la. The whole nine yards of educating a client on basic nutrition, basic healthy eating. That girl, she's still in touch with me regarding her other complaints and whatever. Now I'm talking 2008. So it's a long time. She's still in touch with me. So she cleaned up her diet she had very good outcome, very good improvement, and the remedy started doing help, uh, helping her. And that girl, that young girl, was my inspiration for writing this book. Because over the years, I met many, many people whose problems were connected with food. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you don't tell them, they just go on believing they're doing the right thing, but their food is a problem. So I started telling my clients, I give them the homeopathy. I talk to them about lifestyle changes and what they can do to get even more better. Mm -hmm. So all those things put together became the book. And those clients of mine, they are the inspiration for me to write this book. 
Are you ready to hear how the diet works? In part two, we are going to dive into what the Ayurvedic Reset Diet is, why we should do the different parts of it, and how we can simply introduce it into our lives. A reminder that you can get Vatsala's book, The Ayurvedic Reset Diet, at innertraditions.com. There's a link to that in the show notes, and the video and everything else uh, in the show notes. You can find those at foranimalsforearth.com slash podcast slash 50. If you are enjoying this conversation and you think a friend of yours would benefit as well, please share it. You can tell them to go to foranimalsforearth.com slash podcast and they'll find links to all of the major streaming platforms for the show so they can easily just like bring it right into their lives and listen to it on whatever platform they're comfortable with. Uh, Hit follow or subscribe if you haven't already, depending on the platform you use. And I will see you over in part two in episode 51.